This Conversation, presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife Vicki and I have owned and operated our photography studio, V Gallery, for 20 years now. White House has been our lab for the last 16 of those years, and we could not be happier. White House is a family-run business, just like ours. If you haven't already, check them out at whcc.com. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to email me at jed at whcc.com. Do you guys know Bure Perry? If you don't, you've probably seen him, or at least heard him. He's kind of all over the place. He hosts Imaging USA Live during PPA every year. Um, he's done ICP Live during the International Photographic Print Competitions. Um, he's got his own podcast with Gary Hughes, another guy I like to have on the show. Um, that's called the Photobomb Podcast, and you can hear it all over the place. They've been doing it for a long time. Bure is, he's an enigma for me in a way. First of all, there's a lot to him, right? He's been, uh, he's been in the industry for a long time, and he's got an entire career as a, as a DJ uh, and even a stand-up comedian before that. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to listen to him or watch him for very long uh, for that to make sense. Uh, but one of my favorite things about Bure is he's got like this tender side to him. You know, he's a photographer based out of Tampa, Florida. Um, and he, so he's, he's, re- he's a really good shooter, but he's capable of all these other things too, right? He's got a lot of different skill sets. And he's got this tender heart that I, that I think he likes to cover up um, or distract you from with humor a lot of times. In any case, at one point last year during an interview that I had with him and Gary that you can check out on the podcast as well, uh, they mentioned uh, that Bure's kind of got this fear of irrelevancy, I think is the way he put it. And I, I knew immediately that I wanted to talk to him again. So we did that a couple months ago. He was positive that this was never going to air, and I was positive that it was. Um, so here it is where I get down to the brass tacks a little bit more with Bure Perry. Enjoy. We did talk about this the other day, and I would like to know about, you've, you have told me, you've mentioned more than once that you're yeah. a cancer survivor. <laughs> you have. <laughs> and my parents are cancer survivors, right. both of them. Um, um, and okay. I'd like to know more about that from your perspective, honestly. Okay, there's no perspective. Uh, there isn't? I wish, I, wish there was, I wish there was some deep, like, you know, well, let me tell you the story about the cancer. First of all, it's a joke among all my friends, because even you said, it's you a told joke? me about it. You've mentioned it a couple of times, you said. Right. So the joke, the joke is that you can't talk to me for more than five minutes without me mentioning that I had cancer. That. <laughs> <laughs> like I lead with it. My name's Bure. Cancer's not had, the joke. You're the joke. Yes. Yes. Cancer's not mm. the joke. It's me. I'm the joke. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Bure and I had cancer. Right. Right. And the reason <laughs> is because, uh, the reason that it is that way is because I honestly believe it's the most interesting thing about me. Oh gosh. And so okay. I lead with the thing that's interesting, you know, because, uh, so, and it happens to be that, and it probably comes off like I'm trying to, I don't know, get some sort of sympathy or 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 sure. get off on the good foot with you. Hey, I'm a cancer survivor, so you can't hate me yet. 
but it's really that it's just I had a very interesting form of cancer. And so it was very it was interesting to me. And so I assume that it will be interesting to other people. And also, I have even today uh, outward manifestations that are a result of the cancer, and I'm self-conscious about them. And so I tell people right away that I had cancer because you may be wondering why I am constantly drinking. You know, mm. like if I'm talking to you, I'm kind of like right now I'm reaching for my coffee mm-hmm. because I have to constantly be drinking. And that's because I had cancer. Well, what do you mean? Well, then there's the whole story of the cancer, which I find to be very interesting because I I did not know this was a thing until I had it. And then and so now I'm like, what? did you know, <laughs> you know, that if you get cancer, cancer in your in your tonsils, that uh, they don't actually take your tonsils out? Yeah, see your face. So you right there, your face, you just made a face, which is why I tell people about the cancer all the time, because you made a face, which made me say, Oh, I just told him something really interesting to him. I I I have just sparked a conversation. See, then that's did. really what peaked, I want. You have piqued my proverbial interest. Right. That's what I want. Is I you know, I'm a guy who is constantly looking for anything that I can say to you that's gonna make you go, huh? What? And, you and did. make you engage. I want you to engage. And when I say that I had tonsil cancer and I still have my tonsils, people immediately go, what? I would think they would cut your tonsils out. And then, Well, I, initially I was intrigued by the fact that you still had them anyway because a lot of people have them removed yeah. when they're younger. Yeah. I had mine I had out my, when I was 35. 30. I was 30. I had my tonsils. I had my tonsils. And I had my wisdom teeth until I got cancer. <laughs> how, do you, how do you have tonsil cancer or cancer in your tonsils yeah. and then they take the cancer out somehow okay. and leave the why don't they just remove the tonsils okay so see the, now now that's two things that you have found very interesting about my tonsil cancer you see how you see how you see now that it's not about me wanting to you to know i have cancer but the fact that my particular type of cancer has many interesting facets to it okay i'm in i'm in <laughs> let's 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 go okay. there i want to know so Tonsil cancer, I had stage three cancer. So it was on my tonsils and it was in two of my lymph nodes. Which, by the way, okay. did you know that your tonsils are just giant lymph nodes? No. Another they thing. are, in fact. I They're just giant lymph nodes. Mm. So uh, basically, I had, I had cancer in my lymph nodes, and one of them happened to be my tonsils. So my doctor told me that there was a time just three or four years ago when they immediately would have cut your tonsils out. But the problem is, once they... Uh, go in and they cut your tonsils out or whatever, they still need to radiate you. They need to hit you with radiation to kill the cancer that's in your lymph nodes. They can't do that until you are absolutely 100% healed from the surgery because cancer suppresses your immune system. And they don't want you to have a problem. Yep, Yep. okay. So that means you're going to be waiting two months maybe or more before they can finally start to work on the lymph nodes. They don't want to wait that long. So instead, they don't take... Because it gives the cancer time in those two months. So they don't want to do that. So they leave the tonsils in and they just radiate everything, right, in your Mm -hmm. neck. And it's horrible. And um, But now the problem is, once they've killed all that cancer, they've put you through, in my case, 35 sessions where they strap your head to a table and the machine revolves around you and shoots fire into your neck. And um, now you have a suppressed system in your head and your neck, right? You're immune suppressed. So now they don't want to go in and cut your tonsils out now because they are afraid you'll bleed to death. Yeah. (laughs) So you get to keep your tonsils even though they have killed them. Right. And the other thing they do is because they don't want you to ever have to be cut again anywhere around your neck and your face is if you have your wisdom teeth, they make you get all four, all your wisdom teeth pulled before they start the treatment 
because they don't want to take a chance that you'll have to have them pulled later and there might be a complication. Because the healing of the wisdom teeth doesn't yes. take the two months that the healing of the tonsils would. No, no, that, that happens relatively quick. Yeah, I said, if it's, this is the reason I can't have plastic surgery. Like if <laughs> I wanted, I can't have plastic have surgery. Yeah, my, my doctor, no, I, I, would, I would love to have a neck lift. Because, oh, you would really, you would really want to do something to your neck. Yeah, I would love to have a neck lift. I don't care about looking old, but I don't like because I had when I went in when I started the cancer, I lost sixty five pounds in two months, and I went from a guy who everyone said looked ten years younger than he was to a guy who looked ten years older, and so oh. I instantly came out with suddenly I had you know loose skin around my neck and everything, yeah. and of course you know the radiation there affected that as well, and I suddenly looked very you know much older. And it was very self-conscious about it. And still am really to this day. So yeah, if I could do anything, I would just right here. You you can see me. I would just just right there. Just lift the right there a little bit. Just uh -huh. clean but the neck up just a touch. You cannot have it. that done. No, because they would have to cut me on my jawline, and then they can't be sure that I would heal properly. They can't be sure that it wouldn't scar. And so because it's all been fried. Because it was fried. Yeah, uh, I went to it five days a week for seven weeks and had my tonsils fried. Was that horrible? Yes. Like uh, horrible. Horrible. Because it sounds well, horrible. Yes, horrible. Well, a tonsil, tonsil cancer is one of those, it's a, it's a give and take. It's horrible. Any treatment of cancer to your head and neck is horrible. However, it's also like an 80% success rate. Yeah. So it's horrible, but knowing that you have a very good chance of coming out the other side makes yeah. it much more bearable. Sure. But yeah, your your throat goes through permeations of of uh, of pain and stuff that you can't imagine, and you produce a uh, viscous. Uh, you ever watch Alien? Oh yes, I. You have. know when you know when the mouth comes out of the alien and there's the the, the stuff drip. Okay, yes. that's your saliva yeah. for about uh, for about three months. Is this yeah? That viscous was actually stuff. actually a mixture of KY jelly. There you go. There Not you go. only have and I it, watched Alien, I've watched behind the scenes behind of Alien scenes. many times. <laughs> so that's what you and 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 it and you wake up gagging in the middle of the night and oh. you've got to try and get it out and, and uh, it's horrible. And then there's the pain and you can't eat and it kills your taste buds completely. So you can't eat anything. Even if you could eat, you don't want to eat because nothing has flavor at all. Your taste buds. Do you not? Do you not taste well now? I do. I don't taste the same because two of my taste buds were destroyed and and they don't come back. And well, no, I take that back. Your taste buds come back. What doesn't come back is your saliva glands. So I had four saliva glands and now I have two. And that's why I have to drink all the time. Uh, but also it changes the chemical composition of your mouth. So the way that you taste things uh, is based on the chemicals in your mouth and the saliva in your mouth and how it interacts with, with the food that you put in your mouth. And that's what you perceive as taste. My chemical composition has changed. In other words, there's a different gravy on my meat. Than there, than there was for the mm -hmm. you know 45 years that I was eating meat before I got cancer. And so now meat tastes differently to me. For instance, I don't like chocolate anymore. You don't like it? No, there's, a, there's an aftertaste to it. Oh, like a little, because, like a, you, yeah. Like a little, like a metallic yeah, aftertaste. Tinny. Like when you have a penny in your mouth. Yes. Yes, yes it's right. like that, yeah. So this was when you were 45? Uh, I want to say, yeah, late 40s. Now, would you... Because this is going to get into what I want to get into now. This is a I'm 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 somewhat fabricating a segue, but at the same time, I do think it's connected. In that, would you say before that, you were person A, and after that, were were you person B? No, I would love to say that I had an epiphany, and and that uh, getting cancer changed my life and my outlook on life. 
but no, I, it didn't. I I had I had an epiphany much earlier in life. My epiphany came at like age sixteen, and so the epiphany of the <laughs> cancer. I was for to, I treated the cancer like I had the flu. It's just something I had to get through. You know, I, I, you know, and that's another thing that's funny about it. As much as I talk about it, I don't look at it. I don't look on it as this big defining moment of my life. It was just, well, I don't care. And, and you know why? Because when you get cancer and you start telling people you have cancer, you discover that every person you know has had cancer. <laughs> that, it used that to be you're such a big special. deal and it's just not anymore. Yeah, it's really not. You're not special. I feel like that medical science has gotten so great now that it's just a question of waiting for everyone to die to cancer because that's the one thing we haven't cured yet. But we, right. but we got you on heart disease. We got you on diabetes. We got you on everything else. Cancer is mm. going to get everybody eventually, mm. you know, because you know, that's the one thing we still can't quite lock down. Nip in the bud. So, and yeah. yet you you are a survivor of said Yeah, cancer. but it's, like I said, that part to me is like, eh, whatever, you know, to me, you know what, the, though, inter- w- the interesting part is, is the saliva and the taste buds. And that's fascinating to me. I was getting into, though, the because you mentioned that you looked a certain way beforehand. You looked a certain way after and you you're you have some insecurities surrounding that you've also mentioned or it was mentioned in our last podcast with yeah. Gary that you had um some concerns about being irrelevant as you get older and sure. i i wanted to know how much of that changed even afterwards because if you go in looking 35 and you come out looking 55 right. <laughs> yeah that yeah. that certainly had to contribute sure to well those you nailed feelings. it yeah sure yeah oh absolutely i've i've said that many times that most people have a gradual and there are probably people who would look at pictures of me and say this isn't true you know but to, in my perception most people have a gradual aging process and they have time to get used to it and I was like a guy who everybody thought he was in his 30s. And then two months later, I was a guy who was in his 50s. Yeah. It was and like you went through a presidency. Yeah. Yeah. I jumped. <laughs> it was like a time skip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was like, wow. You know, so I, suddenly you don't recognize yourself in the mirror. And, yeah, and that was very, that was very. And that, very and that was right around the time then that you started questioning your relevancy. Is that fair to ask? Uh, no, the questioning of the relevancy has happened probably just in the last couple of years. That's recent. Yeah. Oh yeah. What is that? And then, so now tell me what that looks like. Cause I'm really intrigued by that as well. You're really intrigued by this, but I think that you're intrigued by it because you, how old are you? Um, 45. I know. Why I told you why I'm Why did it take you so long to answer the question? Because I'm intrigued by it because it it there there is resonance and and I and I'm I've been in this industry for 20 some years, right? right? And I and I have told people that I am sensing that I am what did I do? I I I parsed people into four groups, the newbies. Right. Then the level 2 is like, you know, they're not new anymore but they're certainly not veterans. And then there's the veterans. Then there's like the legends, you know, like you got like Monty Zucker, Don Blair, and I'm using well-known people. So people right. know who they are, but right. I don't just mean you have to be well-known. I mean, like you've been there and you've done that and you, and you've accomplished X, Y, and Z right now. I have, I feel like I'm not a, I'm not a one and I'm not a two anymore. I'm solidly in the three category. 
right? Right. In the person that's been around the block, the person that can sit down and have a conversation with you and legitimately relate to what your struggles and what you're going through because I've been there, I've seen that, and it was eight, nine, 10, 12 years ago that that even happened to me. Right. Right. And, and, and I'm certainly not in the four category yet. Um, but I'll get there if we keep do going. You, do you feel you're close? Are you closer now than you were five years ago to being to the four? The four? <laughs> yeah. To being four, to being a legend. Yeah. Well, the, and I, again, don't miss, don't misinterpret legend. Um, I'm, I'm I, not I know meaning... what I know what you mean by it. I know, but I understand your concern that right. someone would think so that you're. Oh, like, I uh... think I'm the. I'm the I'm, no, that's not what it is. There's just a certain status, and this occurs yes. in every industry, not just in our yes. industry, but right. in our industry, especially if you are a person who teaches or does podcasts or things like that, you're very aware of it because mm-hmm. because you you know that that's a person who is more famous, so that's a person who is an up and comer. I mean, you know, yes, yeah, you can see them. Everywhere. You can watch right. it happen to them, honestly. Right, exactly. And if you follow their career, you can see, and if you really look, you can see the effects of it on them. And if you listen to what they say and even how they talk, you can hear the effects of it. And it's and it's not always positive or negative, but there are just ways that you are as you get older and have more experience within an industry and, and, and in life in general. So okay, yes, wait, I'm so asking I, you because I, I'm sensing I would like that. to know, wait, I would like to know, uh, how can you tell, you say you can see it in how they talk and in how they, and give me some examples there. Okay, so a negative example would be um, jaded. People become uh, jaded. You can't be jaded, like truly jaded about something um, legitimately unless you've kind of been there and done that and you know what you're talking right. about. Right, right. Um, These kids and, today and, don't and know I'm how not... hard it These kids today don't ha- know how hard it was. Yeah, one of those types of things. Right, right, right. right. I had to walk to school through the snow. That's right. That's you know, right. Um, and I've said things <laughs> I was saying that I remember film. You should have seen how bad it was with film, man. We had no idea what we were, you know, all the, all the things. You have it so easy. You just look at the back. So that's that's an example, right? And then another example would be just a positive example would be like sort of what I was uh, talking about earlier: wisdom, right? Like I don't believe that you can really have wisdom without experience. You can sure. be smart. You can be super intelligent. Right. But there's something to be said about the experience that really leads to that wisdom. There's a credibility there that that cannot exist otherwise, regardless of how intelligent you are. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is what I get for interviewing an interviewer. You. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I knew I knew going into this. I'm like, I'm going to turn the tables on him every chance I get. Because (laughs) some of that deflection, because when I listen to your podcast, I don't listen to hear what your guests say. I want to see. I want to hear what you say. I think that you. I think that you are frequently the most interesting person on your podcast, and that's why I want to hear more about you. You know, I want to hear more about what you think. And and I like that sort of an interviewer. You know, uh, who's you know Bob Costas had an interview show called Later for years where he would just sit with somebody, and I enjoy that Bob would bring his uh, his experiences into the interview. You know, other people say. 
yeah, you know, oh, no, that, you know, it's supposed to be about the guests. And I'm like, ah, yeah, OK, but it's nice to have it be a little bit of a two way conversation. Well, there were people that went on that. I, I firmly believe, especially as time went on. But Bob, because Bob was at legendary status, it, he might have been at legendary status when that show even started because he had been around the block so many times. But there were people, I'm sure, that went on that show and were starstruck by him. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? OK, so so there's, there's four stages. And you feel like you're in stage three. Solidly in stage three. St- solidly in stage three, which is the veteran stage. The, mm-hmm. the uh, been that around stage. the block, done it all. Yeah. And do you think you're going to reach stage four? Do, do you want to reach stage four? Are you afraid of reaching stage four? Because after stage four, by the way, you, you left out stage five. <laughs> there is a stage five after legend. And it is, I'm sorry, you are? <laughs> I'm well, sorry. No, no, no. That's stage five. Stage five no. is, has been at least what? Maybe I would say probably 60, 70 percent of the people listening to the podcast right now did not know who you were talking about when you mentioned the name Monty Zucker. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that he's in stage five. It, everyone goes to stage five. I had to explain to my daughter who Abbott and Costello were. And show them who's on first, what's on second the other day. I do remember being in a in a room full of people. This was and this was like eight or nine years ago. Um, and they were all young and they were all new. And we didn't know they were gonna be all young and new, but there were like ninety people in there. And this and the and the guy at the front mentioned Bev and Tim Walden and and then asked people to raise their hand, and like three people raised their hand because they were yeah. just new and you're like, how do you not you need to know, and they were portrait photographers. These are the people you need to to know, not this Instagram schmo who has, yes. you know, at the time twenty seven thousand followers because he can make something look good on a screen with thirty filters, you know. Oh but yeah. See, here I am sounding like I'm sounding like the old man again. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> yes. This it, you just watched it happen in real life. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so when you talk about uh, being afraid that you will become irrelevant—that's uh, what you're talking about. And, and but see, I don't, I don't, mm, I don't have that fear. I don't have the fear of becoming irrelevant. That's that's not the part that that resonates with me. As well, I think I'm in denial because now I think about it for a second, and there is a piece of that irrelevant. Then what is the part that resonates with you? I think the part that that resonates with me is the fear of the unknown of what getting older looks like and feels like and how it really is going to manifest in my life. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. What does that mean? Awesome and great. It doesn't that's sound great. awesome. Yes. And great. That's that. I mean, that's, that's eye opening. Yes, it is that fear. Oh. It's absolutely that fear. It, it, yeah. That's a part of it for me. I mean, everybody, for everybody, it's something different. Yeah. No, I and agree with that for me. Ah, all right. Well, you know, how much time do we have? Your podcast, this is what's so great about your podcast. We're not going to talk about photography at all. Uh, We're just going to talk about this, which is ancillary to photography, which, by the way, and and I find this interesting. And let's quick sidebar. As a photographer, I am known for being a pretty good podcaster. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yes. I, I am doing this podcast today. 
I will do my own podcast later. And then later, I even still, I am going to be on another podcast. And <laughs> at no point on any of these podcasts will I be asked for any expert advice on being a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that's I have, weird. I have zero photography questions for I'm you. I'm just saying, isn't it isn't it weird that that in the in the world of photography, I am not at all, you know, I am sought out, but almost never for photography. I, you know, it, it's like I from from my perspective, it's because your importance as a human being supersedes your importance as oh. a photographer, and I don't mean I do not mean that as smoke. That is not me blowing smoke. I'm dead serious. I know you're a photographer. I have seen your work. Blah, 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 blah. You're one of those guys that knows how to photograph. Awesome. You know <laughs> That's what, all I ever wanted to You be. know what most of those people don't have that you have, right, are grounded thoughts and opinions that are original to okay. you. All right. So, yeah. I, and I'm I'm being serious. This no, this, I, I'm with you. For me, I'm, I'm this you. is your sure. appeal. Your appeal yes. that you happen to be in the photography industry. If we were in the real estate industry, I would still seek you out because of who you are, not because of what you can do. It's interesting to me though, because it's like you know, I used I I, I made my living by trying to be interesting for a long time, longer than I've been a photographer, twenty years. And then became a photographer. And as a photographer, I feel like I'm a better photographer compared to other photographers than I was a disc jockey compared to other DJs. Mm. And yet in this world of photography, I am mostly known for my abilities as a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so it's, it's so it's it's odd for me because I because when I think about my own success and I'm trying to qualify my success in the photography industry, I have a hard time qualifying my success. I mean, I, I have you know, there's the photography success, you know, as a business, and yeah. then there's the success in the industry as a as a teacher and etc. Right. And it's very hard for me to qualify that because um, I seem to be fairly popular, but yet not because of my photography ability. Mm. So it's kind of a weird, I'm, I'm in a weird little place there compared to most people. You have someone else on the show. You have Richard Sturdivant on the show. He's on the show because he's Richard Sturdivant. Yeah. You know, and, and because of his work as a photographer. Mm -hmm. You have Bure on the show. It's, oh, Bure's funny. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? You're more than that, though. Here's, here's what I, I was wondering if you were going to get to something like that. And, and I'm ready for that one. It's because... And from from my standpoint, you are funny and you are smart too. You're a smart, dude. You you have wit. You have a sharp okay. wit, right. yeah, don't, and, and an articulate vernacular and all the stuff. But there is huh, here it is. You're tender and you are vulnerable, <laughs> and you put up really obvious defenses. Yes, that are actually weak. They're not strong defenses because I have a because sense you can see that there's them. this piece of you that you want people to bulldoze right through those and yes. get to something that's real and substantial yes. and yes. has meaning and worth. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. This is why I love you. Knowing you, knowing you for 10 minutes and I love you because of you, because you're very perceptive. Yes. I have, I have oh, walls. It I have, does not I, take I, a lot I, of I perception am, to see that. I am putting up walls and I absolutely... I'm hoping that you will break through them. 
you are putting up walls made out of paper. There, there are people that put <clears throat> up walls that are 17 feet thick concrete right. reinforced with rebar, and they're the ones that won't tell you that the walls are there. They're okay, the ones then you that tell act me, then like you they're tell not. Me. If you're looking through the paper walls, then you tell me what's on the other side. What what are you seeing? What what is it that I'm that I'm trying to put a wall up about? But in fact, I'm I'm begging you to please come through. If it's so obvious, I think that you are somebody that wants so very very much to be loved. Okay. But you don't want it to be because you're asking for it. All right, all right. You don't want to be seen as the guy that's saying, here, come to me, I need you, I need this, I need that. You know, you don't want to be the guy just like overtly struggling for attention. You like to joke about it and you right. like to present it in a way, right, where you talk about your in insecurities and stuff because you know people can relate to that. But deep down, you legitimately are somebody that is that has that tender heart and that really, really, really desires to be known and loved, like real, real stuff too. Not the, not the fake, floofy stuff, the real right. stuff. Okay. That's, that's what I think. If that was true. <laughs> Hypothetically. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it possibly be a little pathetic to be just well, like, see, you know, needing mm, that love so much? I just, oh, please love me. No, 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 because I honestly think that I honestly think that pretty much everybody is like that to some degree, but most right. people, I, so when some, when someone is capable of building a 17 foot wall made of reinforced concrete, they can actually get to a point where they themselves are convinced that they don't need that. And I think over time they can even get to the point where they don't need it. That doesn't mean they couldn't benefit from it, but they're at the point where they're actually incapable of knowing it and seeing it and even receiving it. Okay. You'll never you'll never get there. You'll never get there because you're not even remotely close to having the ability to build defenses that are that powerful. Okay, so so you've told me You're a paper me, guy. You're not a concrete you've, guy. You've told me what you think my psyche is, right? You, sure now, did. You, you've just laid it out there. You're taking the big Here's who you are. Right. Here's everything about. It. Okay. So now let me tell you something. Yes. All right. About me. Yes. All right. You are one hundred percent correct. Is that that's it? All that's all I got. A, that's what you, you are. <laughs> I was waiting to be chastised. No. You. You. Uh, you absolutely one hundred percent. Having known me for all of like two hours in your life, just perfectly encapsulated exactly who I am in that particular respect. That's exactly right. It's exactly true. Okay, thanks for coming on. <laughs> it's true. It's exactly you're exact. That's exactly who I am. I have. I am a guy who wants to be loved, but doesn't want to ask you for it. Mm. -mm. I just want to earn it. I want to earn it, and then I want to have you give it to me because I earned it. But I do not want you to give it to me if I haven't earned it, which is that to me, that's even worse. W the only thing worse than not getting the love you've earned is to get love you didn't earn. 
Well, because that would be similar to just getting it because you asked for it. Exactly. And it's, exactly. And it's not worth anything in those. And to you, it, that's yes. not worth anything if you're getting it solely because you've asked for it or solely because you don't think you're worth it. The interesting piece about that is that you think that it's possible to not be worth it. I don't think it's. No, I mean, everyone is worthy of love. Well, you just said, I don't want it if I haven't earned it, if I'm not worthy of it. Everyone is worthy of love, but I mean, I also think that there, that, that, that you have to earn, there's a certain level of love that you have to earn from a, you know, everyone, you know, there's, you've got your friends, you've got your acquaintances. I wonder if you've you're got not your, talking you've about got your best friend, you've got your wife, you know, the, the level of love that those people give you along that chain is different for each one. Oh, level. Okay. Levels. Yeah. Okay. You're and, talking that, about and that of level love. of love has to be earned. You know, when you're six sure. years old, you meet somebody and the next day they're your best friend. When you're mm -hmm. 40 years old, you don't get very many new best friends mm. because you've got to really earn that level of trust and, and love that you get in a person that way. So, yeah, that's what I mean when I say when I say earn it. But you're well, right. I have a really hard time asking for it. I have a really time. I have, I have a hard time promoting myself. I don't. I don't like to promote myself. I just, I, my wife is completely aware of it and points it out to me all the time. She like, <laughs> she's like, you don't, you don't ever want to, you don't ever want to ask for things. You just want someone to give it to you. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I just want them. I want them to recognize that I deserve it and give it to me without me having to go. Can you please give me this thing? You want, you, know? you want them to give it to you when you you perceive that you are worth having it given to you. You don't want handouts. Yes. No, no. Or charity. No. No, 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 and I'm and I'm uncomfortable if I feel I'm getting it. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, I, people say, um, people say that <laughs> my friends have an expression. They say I will booray things. I mean, that's how bad it is that they they call it booraying. They'll say, oh, gee, don't booray this. You know? <laughs> so, is that like and being a Debbie Downer? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, if you've watched my podcast or heard my podcast, and I know you have, then you know that my next. My next question is, why are you like this? Ah, uh, well, you know, that's the million dollar question. So I ask it. Oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're, I don't know. I, um, your audio went I, away there for a second. Yeah, I know. I, I hit the cough button. Oh. I, um, I certainly spend a lot of time thinking about it. You do? Uh, oh God, I'm, I'm the most self-aware person on the planet. <laughs> I, I, to I am, a fault. I'm just, yes. It's like, oh my God, get over yourself and, you know, and go do some work. You know, how much time are you going to spend in your car having an imaginary conversation that's never going to take place? <laughs> yeah. now, I'm the guy in the shower who's making an argument out loud to somebody that I'm never going to have in real life. And in real life, I'm never going to actually come to them and have this argument. But just in case it ever happens, I want to have the script ready. So I'm going to work that out in my did, head. Didn't I? Didn't we talk about that Mark Twain quote that he says something like 99% of the things I've worried about in my entire life never occurred? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he spent 99% of the time that he spent worrying about anything actually never happened. Right. But he spent a lot of time thinking about it. Yeah. I don't know why I'm that way. I am. Um, it takes me a really long time to reach a point where... I believe that I am worthy of something. Up until that point, if you say, oh, my gosh, Bure, you're so worthy of this. I'm going to be like, no, just no, 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 no. I don't even want to hear it. No. And then once I reach that point, it's like, 
if everyone doesn't acknowledge that I'm worthy of this, you can all kiss my. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> you go the other <laughs> that's, way. That's like it's like, like no middle ground. Yeah, it's like flipping a switch. There's like no middle ground. Like for 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 ten years, I'm so not worthy of of the Oscar, and then it's why am I not getting the Oscar? Right. Why have you not given me the Oscar? You know. So uh, it's, it's what are you it, worthy it, of? It's tough. I don't know. Oh, for I, you know, it's, it's, you it's, just it's, you just constructed this. Yeah, but I also don't. I mean. Let me ask you something. Yeah. When you look at other people, photographers, their work, uh, podcasters, any, anybody who remotely touches your realm of expertise, do you idolize anybody? Do you look at anyone and say, I could never do that or I could never be that person? You know, you know, I'm, I'm doing my little, my little well, podcast, but I could never be you know, every Rogan or, I could, or whatever. But you're only talking about people that are, are actually in my, what, in my wheelhouse, so to speak, or well, in yeah, my sphere? I'm talking about people in your, yeah, people in your sphere, something that you do think you can do to some extent, but you couldn't do it as well as. Because, like, I, you know, I couldn't be Barbara Streisand, obviously, so I don't, I don't have any. But are you a singer? No, I'm not a singer. That's why I'm saying people in your world. Oh, that's yeah, you know the example. Saying? Okay, right. Yeah, that's um, why I'm saying. So like that, in you know, the podcast realm or I don't or even whatever. know what I'm my not, realm I don't, is. I don't need specific examples, but what I'm saying is do you, you know, and this applies to photography. Those of you who actually think this is a photography podcast, mm, yeah. uh, are there people, because I don't. You don't so think. So you say, yeah, I don't idolize. I don't, you, you, you know, you say, when are you worthy and I think a lot of people, they think they're worthy because they set some goal of, for themselves of, of, I will be a good photographer when my work is as good as this person. I will be a good photographer when I am, am achieve this, this status or this award or I win this thing. I will be a good photographer. And I don't really do that. I, I don't. Well, you, I changed, don't think, you changed the question from uh, when to, or from what to when, not, not when are you worth, although I do think that's a really good point. And I think I'm the same as you. I don't idolize people. I, there are people that I admire. There are interviewers that I watch like a hawk and listen to right. like really keenly to kind of pick up on what they're doing and how they're doing it. Like I, it's like when maybe when a director watches a film, they can't really get immersed by the film because they're watching so many things and thinking, oh, this is what I would have done, or I bet he did this. When right. I watch an interview from somebody like Rogan or Howard Stern or back in the day, you know, the, the man named Charlie that we don't really talk about anymore, but I really focused on their, their, the way that they handled certain situations. And Graham mm -hmm. Norton, I like to, I like his style. I like the way that he talks to people over across the pond. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting less out of the interview as an immersive whole that like an audience member would get. But I'm oh, getting God, a yes. lot out of, uh, 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 what they're doing and why and, and what they're thinking as they're happening. But yes, I don't yes. think to myself I could never do that. I think I could do all of that. Thank you. Circumstantially, I probably never will. Because yeah. who knows, you know, I don't know what, what their stories are, but I'm I, that's not going to be me. I don't plan the on same that being way. me. I'm the same way. I think I could do any of it. If I really want to do it, I can do any of it. But here's the thing, and this is, I'm trying to answer your question. Here's <laughs> okay. the thing. I also think that everyone else could do any of it. Now, I'm nope. not to say that, I'm not no, to say wrong. that a great comedian <laughs> or a great whatever isn't a person who is rare. But when I am, when I'm teaching, for example, and then I'm done teaching, 
and someone comes up to me or, I mean, I've had several encounters with, with people who have come up to me and, and brought me to tears, which is mm. crazy. Not really for, with your paper walls. No, I don't mean they brought me to, I mean, because they you said mean you things lamented that were, because of how horrible they were. <laughs> what no, do you mean? Because they were so heartfelt and sincere yes. about, about this effect that I had had on their life. Yes. And I believe that. I have a hard time accepting that because I don't see anything that I do as being any different than anything that you or anyone else can do. There's not a damn thing special about it. You know, so it I just happened to maybe doing it longer, or, you know, so uh, it's it's hard to explain. I'm trying to explain your original question when do you deserve it or whatever? And I'm like, and there's a way you, in a way you never deserve it because you're not doing anything that is any, that is special at all that anyone else couldn't be doing. And so when someone comes up to me and says, oh my gosh, you're blah, 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 blah. And Mm. I boo-ray it by going, you know, I'm really not. But that's your paper defense. Well, no, that's not that. People just, no, I mean, I, I, I don't, I make it, I believe me, I enjoy it. There's nothing I enjoy more than teaching a class and then someone comes up to me and they say, you know, I never understood the inverse square law until you explained it. And you're good at it though. And well, not everybody can be. And not everybody is. That, but, but see, I believe they could be. I believe no, anyone not could. not everybody. Nope. Yeah, see, I, I disagree. I, it, like, not you know, any like, different than not everybody could be LeBron James. He is physically gifted, Right. Right, right. You are gifted in ways that aren't necessarily no, physical. See, LeBron James but is not you, gifted. nevertheless, Le- are gifted. LeBron James, you know, lived with a basketball from the age of four. LeBron James became LeBron James. He wasn't born LeBron James. And, you don't and think the same you applies to who anyone. you are. Do what? You don't think you have become who you are over the years? You, Yes, but I also think that every single person out there and every person who wants to be a photographer, every person who's struggling with photographer, photography could become me or someone so much better than me. I mean, in the photography world, I'm, you know, I'm like in the middle of the pack, you know, and so... I'm not just talking so, about taking pictures. I'm talking about what you were referencing, and that was teaching and helping people to see things and understand things. If you don't think that you have a gift at doing that, no. then I don't know how I can help you. <laughs> I don't think I, I mean I, I don't have a I just have and a And if you a, think that everybody can do that, I really don't know how I can help why you. Can't, there why are can't lots everyone of do people it? that are absolutely incapable of teaching others in a way that is meaningful. That's only, why teachers are such a big deal. Only because they haven't only because they haven't spent enough time trying to do it. A lot of them won't, and that's the reason they can't. Okay. But it doesn't make me better than them or, or, or special. It makes you a better teacher. Yes, it does. Well, okay. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you're, you're, you're right, though. I, I do. I, I have a hard time. You're boo I have a hard time boo-ray. taking praise. Quit boo-raying boo-ray. Yeah, I have a hard time taking praise. It's just really, it, it really, it makes me uncomfortable to a certain And yet extent. you want it. And yet I want it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Oh, I just want to be quietly. It, who does? Who does? I just want to be quietly acknowledged by mm. people I respect and admire mm. as as being. You know what? I want to. I want to sit at the. I want to sit at the cool table at lunch. You do. Yeah, but I'm. You want to be asked there though. 
but I want to be, be asked invited. To I am not going to. I am not going to lobby for the cool table. Yeah, if, you would if, never. I want to be asked to sit. Certainly at the cool not table. directly. No, mm-hmm. no. I'm going to be the guy at the other table who is making fun of the people at the cool table. Yeah, and wanting to sit there the whole time. Yeah. And then, but once you, <laughs> and then once you put me there, I'm going to make fun of you even more. I'm going to make fun of the fact that we're even at this table. <laughs> that there is a table that you wanted to sit yes, at. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I, I am. Ve- I am very much a student of of the great Groucho Marx when he said that I don't want to be a member of any club that would have me as a member. As a member. <laughs> because oh, I am man. certainly not deserving of whatever it is you're giving me. Yeah, it's a it's a quandary, isn't it? It's a it it's a vicious vicious circle. And 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 it's not alone. I'm trying to think about how I can really bring this back to an important photography lesson for the photographers who are listening now going, "What is this therapy?" Well, I'm listening to a therapy <laughs> session. I, I, I think it's because in our industry in particular, right, it's so out there, right, um, with, with, especially with social media. What we do and, 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 the, and the things that we're capable of tapping into as artists and creatives and photographers in particular is, it's silly to even say it because I'm saying it is what it is. Visual, right? You see it. You, ex- you experience it and you see it every day. What are people doing? Flipping through Facebook and Instagram. And what are you looking on at Facebook and Instagram? Imagery, right? And we are professional creators of imagery, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's such a big deal to talk about this in this way because I think there's a lot of people that are like you. And I'll say like us, like the, what all the, all the things you're saying resonate with me you're you're not saying anything that's that's foreign to me or that I don't understand and I think the 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 common thread is that a lot of people if not everybody to some degree can get what we're saying you know here's the thing here's the thing that makes it hard what we're doing right now and having this conversation (laughs) is that in the back of my head I am saying Oh, for the love, please stop talking about yourself, Bure. <laughs> yeah. Someone listening to this right now is saying, is saying, will this guy get over himself? I mean, how <laughs> full are you? All you want to talk about is yourself and your own little psyche, et cetera, et cetera, and, 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 and so forth. But at the same time, I know that if I'm listening to a program or a podcast, this is what I enjoy hearing. Mm. I enjoy hearing this sort of stuff. I, I, David Letterman, infinitely more interesting than Jay Leno. Because David Letterman had opinions and problems and hang-ups and everything yeah. else that he brought into it. Whereas Leno was just a, a, a wax figure, audio animatronic, I am a stand-up comedian guy. Mm-hmm. He was more popular, but Letterman, infinitely more interesting. Well, and Jay, so, Jay was more popular because he was more comfortable for most people for the for the masses. Exactly, you, you and, didn't and, get uncomfortable also watching Jay. Yeah, also hilarious. That's right. Letterman yeah. could be uncomfortable, but I like the uncomfortable. Yeah, because I, you could that relate to, to me it. is so much more interesting. And so yeah. when I you know, do a podcast like this or my own podcast, I will absolutely go off on a tangent, and Gary will be looking at me like, <laughs> like, dude, where are you going with this rant? And in my head, it's partly because I want to get it out, but it's also partly because when I, because I enjoy hearing that when I'm listening to a podcast, I enjoy mm. hearing real, genuine stuff. You know, not not just 
fluff of, you know, hi, it's time for, we're going to talk about F-stops today. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, how much there, of, there's, you know, there's I, I like to, I'd like to I, get. I love the fact that there's room for both. And maybe someday we will talk about F-stops, but I think with you in particular, <laughs> F-stops are, are infinitely less interesting than, than who you are and what you bring to the table as a, as a person, as a creative, as a teacher. That's just you never my, really, my we never really answered your initial question of, of, of the levels and... Well, that was getting uncomfortable for me. Feeling, <laughs> and that, which is why I'm bringing it back to that, because I want to know, you said, you know, you said that feeling irrelevant that you can re that resonates with you are you at a point I mean, you said you feel like you're at the veteran stage so you haven't even reached the legend stage in your own mind no no and yet you're already worried about what happens after the legend stage no i think i'm worried about uh what the transition between level three and level four is are you I you're worried about becoming a legend you're worried that you won't Right. And I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not worried that I won't because again, I don't look at legend as the typical meaning of legend. I just gave the name to level four and I, I named it legend um, because I associate that with people that make it that far anyway. Like I think Do if you, you, if you can be in this industry for 25, 20, you know, 30 years right. and you're in it and you're getting after it, you're a freaking legend. I don't care who knows your name. Okay. So it's just a question of time. It's a, it's a question of time, but it's more of a question as, uh, it's more of a matter of perseverance, right? Okay. Like staying in it, not okay. giving up, keeping after it, making it happen, right? And regardless of how many awards you have or how, how big is your necklace is, if you're, if you're at it for that long, you're a freaking legend. You made it to level four which in my opinion is the last level. I'm not going to boo-ray my level system by saying there's a level five called has-been. <laughs> there is. I hate to break it to you, dude, but there is. That's your level system. <laughs> there is. Ask my children who Marvin Gaye was. Oh, see, I get what you're saying, though. I get what you're saying, though. But that's, I don't, that's not, that's not in my mind. So, no. so what is your concern? Is your concern that, that, because, I mean, legend is, I guess, a bad word for the way that you described it. What is your it is. concern? What, what is it that you are thinking about or worrying about or wondering about now? You, because you seem to be, you're in the chain, you have, you're re, you've reached veteran status. And at what point, what conditions have to occur for you in your head to say, oh, I've reached stage four? Mm. And are you worried that you won't reach that stage? Will you see it as a failure? Uh, are, what's going on inside of, of Jed on this? I think that, like I mentioned it before, the, the unknown. It's the unknown about things that, that terrify me in general. I like knowing stuff. I like, I like having the plan, being part of making the plan, um, I like thinking that I'm in control of things, even though philosophically I can always say we're never in control of anything. But really, below that, I think I am in control. Right. And I like to know how things are going to be laid out. And I like to have my one-year, three-year, five-year, ten-year plans because I think, you know, when I get freaked out about stuff, even in the moment, sometimes I just think, oh, I got my one-year, three-year, five-year, ten-year. 
and this is what it's going to look like and this is what's going to happen and this is where I'm going to be and this is how my kids are going to be and this and then like this meteor of reality comes bursting through right my little plan and explodes it because I think well if I go back five years ten years ago this isn't at all what I thought was going to happen. And then that terrifies me thinking, what makes me think the next five or 10 years are going to be what I think they are? They're probably not. And then I think, well, what are they really going to be like? And then I start to freak out. But right now, I sense that maybe you're freaking out a little bit more than you were 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Why? What are you afraid of losing? Because if you're freaking out- Well, I have more to lose. Exactly. If you're freaking out that you're- well, I, you know, we're not talking about that. We're talking about we're talking about within the leveling that you were talking about. What, what, you feel like you have more to lose now if if this plan doesn't work the way if you don't achieve yes. the next level. Well, and I don't mean I'm going to lose my kids. I in it, to make it more practical because I don't worry about that. I do think about that sometimes. Like that's and I run away from that really fast because I don't want to be there. But I think about um, the the type of world that I'm bringing my kids up in. I think about uh, the type of, and I don't mean the world, I mean like environment that I can provide for them and and like being a good dad and like uh, um, uh, showing them what's right and wrong and doing the right thing. Like I think about those things and I think about yeah, failing Yeah, but we're talking things. about you. We're talking about you and your fear of being irrelevant. Well, I, I don't, cause because I said your fear of irrelevance resonated with me? Yes. What are you afraid of? Failure. So maybe that. Define that. Define that. What is failure for you? Not being trusted. Not being trusted. Yeah. What does that, what does that look like? How are you trusted? People not believing me or people thinking that I'm a, charlatan or that I'm a fake or that I'm in it for myself or that you very much want to be seen in this medium in every as but especially in this one because you literally have a microphone oh and (laughs) you you want to be seen above all else in this medium as being genuine yeah I do want to be seen as genuine you know who Gary Shandling was? Yeah. Larry Gary Shandling Gary Shandling struggled with this his entire life. Yeah. If you, you go and Judd Apatow was a good friend of Gary's. Gary gave him a lot of big breaks and and when Gary passed, Judd ran the funeral and stuff and then Judd also made a documentary about him. And this documentary was full of quotes and things that Gary had written in his journal. He was a big journaler. And um the one of the things that he was constantly worried about was being genuine. And uh, I'm not a guy who writes down notes and sticks them in, in front of him. You know, I, let me put a sign on the wall that says, hang in there, baby. But I have one note in my phone, one note that I sometimes go back and look at to remind myself. And that note is, if you can be genuine, nothing else will matter. Huh. And so if you are being genuine, they can't make you irrelevant. 
what they can do is take away your platform for being a, for being genuine. For you can suddenly genuine. find you, you can finally suddenly find yourself not being asked to speak or not having a podcast or not being the host of uh, etc. And that is a fear because if you really really want to be genuine and 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 say or or speak or teach and you feel that it's going to be taken away from you that is the fear of being irrelevant and you don't worry about it or think about it when you don't have it but once you get it it's like money i'm fine the way i am and then when you get money all you do is think about what's going to happen if i lose my money Huh, and that's a little bit probably of what you're experiencing now is that I would guess that this started ramping up right about the time your podcast started becoming a little bit more well known and more popular. <laughs> you could be right. Yeah, that's you, you know, welcome to my world, and this is why your best defense is to boo-ray it. Your best defense is to pretend that none of the stuff that you're doing matters at all. But that's that not way, genuine when you, then. That way, when you lose it, I'm genuine to everyone else, but not to myself. That way, when you lose it, you won't hurt so bad. That's what that's what I do. I want to climb the mountain, but once I get to the top of the mountain, I don't want to admire the view because I know it's just going to be that much more painful when I have to get off the mountain. I think that I, okay, so that resonates with me. I think I do it, and I think it's wrong of me to do that. I don't that think that's wrong. the right, I don't think that's the right way to handle it. I that's not the way that I want to handle it. I want to get to the top of the mountain and celebrate that I'm there and take it in. Yeah. Don't you? I get it. I get it. No. <laughs> that was genuine. <laughs> I won the national award uh, here in Florida two years ago. For those of you who don't know, you know, every every guild and every state organization and every national organization gives away like 3000 awards. Why? Mm -hmm. Because people like to get awards and mm -hmm. people like to give awards. The only yes. thing better than getting award is giving one. It's, a, yeah. it's much more fun to give one than it is to get one. And, um, so there's a million awards two years ago, uh, here in, uh, Florida, uh, I got the national award. So there's, you know, the president's award. There's the, uh, this is the person we like the way they dress award. There's, there's all these awards. And then there's the national award and the national award. Every state gets one to give away. And it's the only award that is also tied to PPA. Although PPA doesn't have any, I don't think they have, they don't have any input or say over whatever, but I think it's just one of those things that PPA said, we're going to give everybody an award they can give out and we're going to call it the national award. And it says on the plaque for meritorious service to photography. Mm -hmm. And two years ago, they gave it to me and there was an elaborate, well thought out and planned subterfuge, including Gary, several other friends and my wife involved with tricking me just to get me to go to the award go. ceremony mm -hmm. because I don't go to award ceremonies. Right. <laughs> and they were like, he has to go to this one mm -hmm. because he's getting the award. Mm -hmm. And I just don't, I don't, I don't, cause I don't, I boo I don't, I can't, first of all, I can't imagine I'm going to get an award. <laughs> so if I'm not going to get an award, why do I need to be there? I mean, I, don't get me wrong. If someone I know is getting an award, then I want to go and applaud for them. You know, I want right. to, I, I absolutely right. want to support them. Right. Uh, but, but I don't need to sit through an hour of let's, let's say that this was the best 
the best architectural picture and this was the best this mm-hmm. picture and that was this but i don't i don't have any desire to really achieve that status and so therefore i don't you know my butt's sore in this chair and i'd rather be at the bar yeah so um and there was an elaborate ruse to get me to go to that <laughs> ceremony and receive that award however yeah that award really really meant something to me it did yeah it really did and you know why because i didn't ask for it mm. Because I wasn't expecting it. You weren't trying for it. I absolutely wasn't trying for it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it meant something to me. If I'm trying for it, it doesn't mean as much. I get it. Yeah. But I'm worried about you. (laughs) You're worried about me. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think that, I think that, here's the next question. How do you, how do you know when you reach stage four, have I reached stage four? You're really close if you haven't. When, when did I cross the line? I don't know because I don't know if you have. I'm not certain if you have. I think see, sometimes is, see, I think sometimes stage four is retrospective too. It's real easy to see between one and two and two and three. I think it's hard to see between three and four. And maybe that's where part of my anxiety comes from. And what's crazy is this is a construct in my own mind to begin with. It's a very valid one. I think about it all the time myself. Also, this is probably the least interesting podcast you've ever done. I just want to point that out. If anyone is still listening, God bless you. Are you kidding? We talked about the fact that you have two (laughs) saliva glands instead of four. (laughs) But you're right. See, my fear, and I think your fear, is I don't think you want to be in stage four. I think that you, I think because if you make it to stage four, if you make it to stage four, then you have to say, you have to accept, or you say, I want to revel in it. I want to go look at the top of the mountain that I have reached, but that's what stage four is. And yet you really don't want to reach stage four. No, I don't want to get there yet because the joy in the journey still exists Thank for me. You. I still really enjoy the journey. Thank you. I absolutely believe that the climb up the mountain is much more interesting yes. than the view from the top. The and that climb. is why... That is why when you say, why do I worry about being insignificant or so forth? That is exactly what it is. Uh, I am afraid that I may have reached the top of the mountain last week and didn't realize it. Ah, that's the fear. Okay. The fear of irrelevancy is the fear that, oh, guess what? You actually already hit the top of the mountain Mm. and you've been on your way down now for a year and didn't even realize it. And now you're like, oh, no. Here's the difference. Okay, here's the key difference. You think that that coming down is one of the stages. That's the has-been piece. Not for me. I think it stops when you reach the top. You don't come down. You do come down. Because if if you reach the top... And then they're like, okay, great, but we don't want you to do a podcast anymore. They think they ki- you think you get kicked off the top. Yes, you get kicked off the top of the mountain because someone else is waiting to get to the top of the mountain. There's a line to get to the top of Everest. Mm. You're only allowed two minutes and up there. And there's a limited and amount of space at the top of the mountain. That's right. You're only allowed a few minutes at the top of the mountain, and then you got to get out of the way for the next person coming up the mountain. So when you're in the line, it's all fun and good, and you're watching your place in the line. And then mm. one day, suddenly, you're at the top of the mountain. You're like, oh, this is great. And they're like, now get off the mountain. Hmm. And this applies not just to people who are you know, teachers or speakers or podcasters, but it also applies to photography. If you are running a photography business, it's the same way. You are, you're, we're going good. We're chugging. We're doing hard. We're doing really good business. And then you turn around one day and you realize my best years are behind me. 
my oh. best years of, of success as a photographer in this town and knowledge in this town and people in this town saying, oh, you need a good photographer? Oh, that's going to be uh, Sue Worth over there. She's the best photographer or whatever. Somebody else. That was yeah. actually three years ago. I actually am on my way down the mountain and I didn't even know it. Mm. You know, so everyone in every industry experiences this, but people like me experience it even worse because of the, as you have so adequately pointed out, deep-rooted need for love and attention. <laughs> so coming off the mountain is much harder for people like me. Well, let's say that our theory is legit. What's a guy supposed to do when he finds himself? What's a person supposed to do when they find themselves on the other side of the mountain? <sighs> I really don't know. Because that you you can try and you can try and reach back up and grab that top of that mountain and hang on as long as you can, but at some point you just become pathetic, and they go get off the mountain, dude. Then okay, then what does traversing down the other side in a healthy, solid, good way look like? Or is there no good, healthy, solid way to tr to go down yes, the other side? The, of the healthy mountain? the healthy, solid way is to become a mentor to other people to help other people in their climb up the mountain and so so forth and so on but at the same time we really do expect you to retire with dignity and fade away because that's what everyone does that's just the way it is the problem is when you're not ready for that you know mm -hmm. and there are a lot of people who a lot of people who aren't ready for that uh, but i my fear is that i will really not be ready for that because i started this career when i was in my 40s mm. I was ready when I walked away from radio. Mm. But you walked away on your terms. Yeah. But in this career, I'm I'm not I'm not ready yet. <clears throat> you know, and yet the clock is ticking on my time at the top. Like I said, for all I know, I may have already been my time at the top of the mountain may have been a couple of years ago. I don't know. Well, you did get a really nice award. Yeah, I got it. There you go. I got a nice award. <laughs> <laughs> I got a nice award a couple of years Most ago. people can't say that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They got to give it to somebody every year. So it's... Sure. It's, Here you go. I, I got it. Yeah. I see Guess what, what you Guess doing. what? I just berate it. Yeah. That's exactly that the sort of thing I do. And somebody Paper. says to me, oh, you're getting the award. I go, well, they got to give it to somebody every Paper. year. So it's really not that... It's not that big of a deal that I'm oh, getting Oh, that's Paper. When you boo yeah. stuff, I'm going to be like, oh, that's Paper. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference between wanting the recognition or the love and feeling you deserve it. That's the real, that's the real meat mm, and potato. Ooh, wow. That's a, yeah. It's, you know, you can say, are you paper? Yeah, whatever. That, that may be true, but what really, if you want to really get into the deep psyche of the situation, yeah. it's, it's, what does it say that you don't feel you deserve it? That's where you really have to, and that's like a whole other therapy. Yeah, that's, that's like part a good, two, a good six months of uh, therapy. Because <laughs> I, 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 I would have to think about that a lot more. I think you're absolutely right, actually. I think you're hitting the nail on the head, but that's a big yeah. nail. Is this okay. podcast ever going to air? Because I feel like that, you know, White House is going to be like, <laughs> come on, you, you can't air that episode. They there's, might. There's absolutely nothing interesting there. They might, they might say that. And maybe I'll fight for it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. <laughs> Hey, well, do me a favor quick. Why and... fight why fight for a has been? Oh shoot. <laughs> Paper. Paper. Here, do do me a favor and do do the formalities here at the end and tell me uh where people can find you. 
please uh, take a well, second a to self-promote, please. I have a I have a podcast called Photobomb uh, that uh, that I have been told is quite good. It's very <laughs> good. I'm not going to say it is, but I've been told that it's mm. entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Photobomb Podcast is available anywhere that uh, podcasts are found. My website is BooRayPerry.com. I also have a YouTube channel that is mostly dedicated to the Fuji X100 line of cameras. So that's kind of a very eclectic little channel that I have. Mm-hmm. I also do some videos on there about just other things, uh, you know, wedding photography flashes, which wedding, you know, which lenses do I use and stuff like that. But there's a lot of videos about that particular line of cameras because it has a very cult following. And I decided that right. instead of trying to have a YouTube channel that was devoted to something that there were a million channels devoted to, that I would rather have a channel that was a small audience and try and get them. In. And so, and also, I just I love that camera. I love talking about it. So uh, I have helps. a YouTube channel as well, which is just Bure Perry on YouTube. And I think that's about it. I'm not speaking anywhere soon or teaching anywhere soon because everything's shut down. Well, I'm supposed to be doing the podcast live at the uh, Florida State Convention Focus, which is in a few months, but. We'll see. We don't know yet. Okay. And then I don't know what's going to happen at Imaging USA. If Imaging USA goes in January, then I will be doing live shows. I assume that I, I, w- I did last few years. I will be doing live shows from Imaging USA on the uh, PPA Facebook page. And um, I might be teaching. I don't know. Well, I hope it happens, brother. And I appreciate your time. And I've got a lot more to think about now, which I <laughs> am not too surprised about. Like, like I said, I feel like, you know, a thousand people listening to this podcast and about 900 of them are like, oh, you know, come on. And then there's the hundred who are like, hmm, this is really interesting. And my problem is that I really care more about the hundred than I do the 900. I don't think that's I, a problem. I'm down yeah, with that I would, too. I would rather, I'd rather be really interesting to a few people. Well, than I, mediocre you, to everybody. Yeah, than just than just saying the same thing everybody else says, you know. <laughs> yeah, doesn't make doesn't make for necessarily a great podcast guest though. Oh, you're the letterman to other people's Leno. I hope so. Thanks, brother. You got it. <laughs> <laughs>